Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash saint14project. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Plus, it's uh, a really cute shirt designed by somebody kind of, I don't know, cool-ish. Yeah, Dave, thank you so much, dude. You did such a great job. <laughs> oh, no, it was Bell. Bell designed it. It was awesome, Bell. Welcome to the St. 14 Project Podcast, a production of Project Guardians. I'm Sutton Ladd, also known as Alex, and with me as always is Average Joe, Dr. Goku, Hatchy Dave, and Bell Bunny. What's up, dudes and dudettes? Hey. What's up, everybody? It's nice to see you guys. It's been <laughs> a long time. It's been so long. It's been like four days or something. It's been long for me. <laughs> Well, oh, that is day. true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, you, I, th- I think you were driving when we had bike on. Yeah. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we are not alone. Returning guest, artist from Bungie, Roderick Weiss is back with us. What's up, Roderick? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> Too bad. I'm sure you had a slow day today, huh? Uh, oh, super slow, you know? Super slow. Well, nothing went on. Nothing eventful. Yeah. Fun. The internet's Nothing's not blowing been exploding up. Right? My Twitter feed. Yeah, no, not at all. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, number one credit topic on Reddit or anything. Is it? It is. Yeah, yeah it's pretty big news, I think, for it the is. entire yeah. entire well, industry. We'll get more into that later. People stopped. People stopped arguing about politics for five minutes. To be like, what the hell is this Bungie? I know, right? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Bungie, we can unite people. <laughs> Well, I still love it. Like we'll on, my, on my trend, <laughs> or eat healthier. On my trending, yeah. it was talking about how like we can't trust food anymore because of government shutdown, and then immediately after that, it was like, but it's Bungie. Way to sidetrack America, Bungie. <laughs> <laughs> We're super glad you're back, Roderick. Also joining us is Jason Docton, the founder of Anxiety Gaming. What's up, Jason? Hey guys. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for joining us. Yeah, for real. My pleasure. For those that don't know know you and Anxiety Gaming, can you kind of give everyone a rundown of uh, what Anxiety Gaming is and uh, why you decided to make it a thing, for lack of a better term? Ooh, um, okay, yeah. So Anxiety Gaming <laughs> is a nonprofit. Um, and I, I say ooh because the um, how I got founded part is is a pretty difficult story. Um, but the gist of what Anxiety Gaming does is find therapists for people who are looking for therapists who are a little bit more sensitive to gaming and tech. And you know, if you say that you like to watch Twitch, they know what a Twitch is. Um, versus you should just stop watching video games. That's the devil. Um, but I, I think probably what we have increasingly become more known for uh, is our grant program. Um, it's effectively just free mental health care. People come to see us, they want to find a therapist, and then they go, oh, well, you know, I can't afford a therapist. And we go, okay, that's not a problem. We're just going to pay for it for you because 
why should that stop you from getting better? Um, That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I absolutely love our grant program. Um, it's really wonderful. Every month we get to get together uh, as a team and we go through these applications and we're like, let's make this possible for people. Um, and so with everything that's donated to us, that's pretty much where all of it goes. Um, we're run on an entirely volunteer team of what seems like a lot of people at any given point, but it's a relatively small team. With that said, um, I founded this while struggling with my own mental health issues. Um, and I think as somebody who played World of Warcraft religiously, um, it made sense for WoW to be my immediate community that I kind of dealt with these issues through and expressed these issues through. Um, and just talking about these issues, it was, it was the craziest soundboard because you immediately get that echo back of like, oh, we all deal with these issues. And I'm like, oh, okay, so... I'm not just some random guy who happens to play video games and deals with these issues. This is actually a big thing for a lot of people within the gaming community. Um, most people are struggling with these issues in, in even outside of gaming, it seems. Um, so yeah, for me, it was, it was being able to found that, um, that really kept my life together and, and gave me motivation to work through my own issues. Um, Eventually, I got on like state disability, and, and I was using the disability to get therapy and and get better. And you know, a lot of of my internal process was what started to shape the early founding of what we do. Um, so one of the first things that I did was, um, you know, I would I would talk with people, and people would add me on all kinds of different games and, and on Skype, and we would just talk and go back and forth. And I was like, cool, talking with people is great, um, but I'm still sick. And, and they're still sick. So, man, like maybe there's something more we can do um, mm. than just talk back and forth. And so um, we're like, okay, so professional help makes sense. Let's do that. Uh, and so I I would go on Psychology Today and I would like use people's uh, zip code. And I would just be like, hey, this therapist looks cool. You should talk to this therapist. Um, and that that worked okay. Um but increasingly people would come back um, and they would say, Hey, you know, I went and saw this therapist and, and I really didn't like them. Uh, or I went and saw this therapist and it was just okay. Or this therapist didn't even respond to me. Um, I don't know what to do. Um, and that was my, my experience exactly, you know, running through trying to find these therapists and, and not finding too much help for myself. Um, so eventually we were like, okay, so maybe we need to do a little bit more. And we started to refine different ways of reaching out to therapists on people's behalf, um, trying to understand better what made the right connection between somebody and a therapist, um, what stood out about good therapists and what stood out about not so good therapists. Um, and we, we got it down to a pretty specific science, um, well, um, Jason lost his connection, but we'll um, hopefully he'll be able to rejoin our call. Yay, Discord! But um, I did to say what he was talking about is really, really cool. Like I didn't oh, know no, the totally. level to what they do, and that's oh yeah, even like hearing the uh, evolution of it is really cool. Mm-hmm. Move on, and we'll come back to Jason when he comes back. Uh, <laughs> but um, we're super glad Jason is and isn't here. Hello. <laughs> hey. There he is. Hey. Okay. All right, Jason's back. Everybody. Got it, got it. So where, where did I leave off? So, yeah, I, I guess where um, 
where all of that draws into is is just increasingly finding better ways to make mental health care accessible to people who oftentimes felt like that was the biggest issue for them. Um, and, you know, coming down in, into 2019, we've, we've realized and we've seen, um, that that is increasingly the issue for people all over the world. It's, it's finding this care. It's accessible mental health care. Um, and inevitably as you go through and, um, find the best possible therapist, this therapist who's going to be a, a friend and a helper, somebody who's going to get you through whatever you're dealing with, um, you're going to hit the point where can I actually afford to do this process? Um, does my insurance cover this therapist? Do I know anything about my insurance? Um, did I pick the right insurance? Those things started to become a major issue for us. Um, so we just started pooling together whatever resources we had and started covering people's therapy who couldn't afford it. Um, that is so that, huge. That, that is so amazing. <laughs> it's very easy just to tell someone who like is obviously reaching out for their own mental health to say, Hey, you know, well, just go see a therapist. You know, insurance usually covers it, but like not everyone has insurance, especially in the United States. It's such a hot button topic. But uh, that is so awesome, and it's one of and of what I see of the biggest barriers to entry for a lot of clients is the the financial aspect of going to see a therapist. Uh, here, most insurance companies will cover about eighty percent for about three to four sessions. And that's kind of the general medium of everything. So how much can you accomplish in three to four sessions, realistically? You can, you can do some work. Kind of like lay a foundation, like, uh. If you know that you only have four sessions, you can kind of speed things up. But generally, um, you really want to have something that is a lot longer because it'll take two or three sessions to really build a good rapport, to have a good history, to have a good understanding about what's going on. So not just kind of driving blind. To kind of edge out that topic, you know, that Jason, that is such an awesome thing that, you know, there's such a awesome feat that you guys kind of took on to finding a way to get grants to, you know, cover other people's therapy sessions that they, you know, otherwise could not be able to afford. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, and it's funny because we, we, you know, we started with my disability checks, you know, once I started to get better, we were just using whatever was left from my checks to help people. Um, and then lots of people started pitching in and, you know, it turned into, we had just created this massive community of people who would pitch in five, ten dollars here and there. Um, and it, it just added up over time to cover costs. Um, you know, it wasn't until like the last maybe past two years where we started to really negotiate with therapists and try and uh, make those deals easier. So on average, therapy is about $150 a session without insurance. So um, we would work with therapists and say, hey, you know, I might be able to get you somebody who's on a premium insurance or I might get you somebody who's on full pay. Um, you know, we get a lot of, of referrals, but could you take this low-cost person for me um, that we're paying for? You know, it's, it's coming out of our pocket. So could we trade that? Or 
what if we helped you build your website? What if we consulted with you? Um, what if we provided some kind of resource in exchange for seeing this person for less? Um, oh, wow. A great bulk of, of what we do single day is just talking to therapists, writing these grants for people, watching them recover and, and just getting to chat in alongside them. This process that it, it, it's crazy to think they would not have had access to if our community didn't open up and help them cover the cost. I mean, it's, yeah, it is, it is, it is kind of, you know, uh, socially traumatizing to think that, you know, without, programs like yours a lot of people just can't see someone for mental health and you know it's you know it, it seems like such you know a basic need that everyone should have access to it, it i definitely agree um you know we work internationally so sometimes i see other systems that are definitely working better mm-hmm. than ours um you know and so sometimes our job is not necessarily paying for but just finding the right therapist or you know working around massive weight systems uh, i know anytime we get clients in in canada a lot of the issue is yeah I, you know i i'm going to see a psychiatrist sometime in 6 or 7 months and we're just like oh that's oh yeah that like, doesn't work <laughs> like, like w- waiting on the voucher program i'm sure uh, dr goku has plenty of insights on that yeah well for here it's about Six months to a year for a psychiatrist. If you're going community mental health, uh, for a psychologist, it can be up to two years. My God. And, and see, for us, it's, you know, it's, it's finding these therapists out in the wild and, you know, contacting them, making sure that they're the right therapist and then striking those deals of like, Hey, we can do this as some kind of tax write off. We could help you with other things or, you know, just asking, would you be able to, if we just paid you upfront cash, um, on this person's recovery? And a lot of therapists tend to, to kind of lean towards that and, and are okay with that. It's, it's always a battle. Um, but we, we get more yeses than we get noes. At this point, it's not even really a matter of finding enough therapists for us. It's, it's having enough time. Uh, to help as many people uh, as need to be helped. I just want to say thank you for what you guys are doing. Like that's, (laughs) I just, I don't know. I like not, not to get all corny, but that honestly makes me want to cry. And I hope that like that sets a precedent precedent for more people. And I hope that it shows, I I hope that it shows therapists that people want help. (laughs) It's not that they don't want it. It's that they can't always get it easily. And I hope that it shows people that need help that there are, there are options and there are people out there who care to make it a possibility for them to heal. Oh yeah. There's, there, there's resources for every little anxiety bear out there. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I really thank you for saying that. It's, it's, it's work that we really love to do. And you know, it, it always dawns on me every time I go into the office that everybody here is working for free um, just because they, they believe so strongly in that idea that people just deserve this. Um, if they need it, they should have it. Um, you know, and, and it's challenging, too. I know with the therapists we work with, it's it's never the case that they don't want to. Um, it's often the case, you know, especially here in, in the States that, you know, this person has sank so many tens of thousands of dollars into their degree mm-hmm. Um, they can't even keep straight. It's, it's just too difficult. Um, the average social worker here, especially if they're working on, on behalf of the state could have, you know, upwards of a hundred clients at any time, um, clients that never come back or, or can't come back. 
uh, a lot of clients who have multifaceted issues like homelessness and it, it makes it impossible for these people to keep morale over yeah. time. You know, the, the mental health care system we have as a whole is, is just entirely unsustainable. Um, and I, you know, I see it in other countries as well. Um, I, I feel like we've figured out the, the solution to it. Um, but like with everything else, it's, it's a matter of funding. It's a matter of, of getting to that point. And, right. you know, yeah, my, I hear about it all the time because my mom's a in-home family therapist. So <laughs> I grew up hearing <laughs> the red tape and the frustrations and the, the want to help, but not be, there's not enough of her <laughs> to go around and, and just, you know, money. It is, they are doing it as a job. They also need to, their, their time does matter too, you know, so it's, it's a hard balance. And I, I really hope that we, we get better as a whole on helping people and making it more available. Absolutely. That's fantastic. But again, um, Roderick, Jason, we're glad both of you are here because tonight we're going to be, um, we're going to be doing part two of our series on burnout and specifically for uh, the gaming industry, for game studios. Um, so we're going to be talking about that, and there's a lot of gaming news. Full disclosure, we might have an insider we paid a lot of money to. No, I'm just <laughs> we don't, we, we're broke. Um, but no, <laughs> um, but we're going to have some awesome stuff. Uh, Goku's going to have an awesome character analysis on uh, a beloved gaming character. And But um, what have we all uh, been playing lately? Um, uh, Jason, what, what, what games have you been playing lately? Ooh, um, so I'm one of the many, like, Blizzard expats, and I've gone to Path of Exile, which I play a little too much. <laughs> I don't think I've That's ever heard awesome. a gamer say they don't play a game too much. Isn't that just kind of the default at this point? Like, <laughs> if you don't play it too much, are you doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> uh, personally, I haven't had a lot of time to play, uh, but lately what I've really had some time to play is uh, Smash on oh, awesome. Switch. Yeah, you've been you've been enjoying it. Yeah, I, I'm working my way through uh, World of Spirits. Nice. Whoa, that that thing is huge. Is it? It'll it'll take me a while to uh, to get through. Fantastic. But it, it's nice that it's a kind of a pick up and leave off type of game. Do one or two spirits or three, and then you're you're done for a little bit. Nice. So it's not something that you know that's gonna be a in, immense time sink, right? If you don't want it to be. It, it sounds a little bit more, uh, more uh, casual that way. But Smash can be extremely hardcore for the uh, the, the competitive side. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, Roderick, what 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 have you been playing lately? Uh, mostly Destiny. Um, Are you being paid to say that? Are you congratulating <laughs> no, no, no. to say that, <laughs> dude? We don't want you to lose your job. Just PM us yeah. what you've been playing. It's fine. <laughs> No, I've been uh, I've been playing quite a bit of the Black Armory, um, trying to get those characters up to six fifty. Um, nice. Yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Hey, my favorite forge is the third one. That facts no one. Way. No way, dude! The fourth it's one's so the best. much fun. <laughs> I, I played. I think I got three or four clears last night. I had to go and experience it, but think that there's a lot of fun in that third one. With the option of the three islands, you know, like yep. you kind of, when you're going in with blueberries, you kind of look around in the room and it's like, okay, where are you guys going? <laughs> All right, you're going left. 
you're not moving, so I'm going right. And everybody yep. goes to their own little island, and it's all it's it really builds on the teamwork aspect of doing a forge, you know. And then even communicating just from visual cues, because nobody's at a party chat together. Everybody's a blueberry to each other. So, sorry, I had I've been having fun in the forges too. <laughs> yeah, they're blast. Oh, really? Really? Oh, yeah. I you can uh, pick up on that. <laughs> I actually hopped on uh, last night. And I have the uh, the Xbox Club that I set up with a bunch of my Twitch followers. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and so I just kind of went through the list of players online and messaged a couple of people. I was like, hey, you want to do the Forge? I got several responses back. So we hopped in and played through the Forge and did a bunch of strikes and trying to do all the new quest stuff. So that was a lot of fun last night. Fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, Dave, what, what, what you been playing? Uh, well, I got to 16. That's, I'm still pretty low. So I've been... I did the Dreaming City to get to 610 because that's what gives me the most uh, light levels every week. So then I went to try the first Forge, and I could not get a team to, like, complete it. So I I spent, like, two or three hours on it, and uh, maybe, like, a half hour the other night. And I, I, I'm like, ah, maybe next week. So we'll see. But I've been trying it, and I, I do like the Forges. I just I can't seem to find a team. Like, everybody that they're putting in my... Uh, team seems to be a little lower than me, and I'm six ten, so it's 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 been rough. I can't wait to come to to you know unlock the first one. That I'm pretty excited for it. But you play on I Xbox have... or PlayStation? No, on PlayStation. Oh man, see if you played on Xbox, that's a hell. I'll help <laughs> carry you through them. But do you want to carry me? Because I'm just under six hundred, and I still haven't gotten to do it. <laughs> oh really? I, I just reached six hundred. Uh, <laughs> the other week and um me austin and dragon did the the first forge so i kind of got me my first clear of the forge nice that's awesome yeah and uh it dropped me a, a hammerhead i think the first clear on the first forge i think that's not an automatic one but it's like part of the quest like it's like one of the first drops you get yeah yeah i'm and still trying to finish that first frame and I got a nasty one. I'll help you out one of these nights here soon, Dave. I'm yeah, I just week. I get on late, and so we you also, guys are usually already packing it up. Well, I'm on vacation this week, so Ooh. I'm up late. <laughs> so since I haven't been able to do forges, <laughs> um, I went and uh, found this local used game shop and uh, found a bunch of old PC games that I like grew up playing. Uh, one of them was missed, so I got that for ninety nine. Oh cents. wow! That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> and a couple other like really random ones that I I played with my mom when I was really young because uh, I didn't have consoles in my house, so I had my Game Boy, which I've still been playing a bunch of like original Pokemon, and then right. Pokemon yeah, Yellow. Pokemon Yellow, <laughs> and then um, I don't know. So I, I just play a lot of PC games like Nancy Drew with my mom. <laughs> I laugh at that, but it's actually really cool. It was a really cool bonding thing, and that was, like, my version of, like, gaming with somebody because I didn't have friends that gamed, and I didn't have a console to play with them. So it was, like, that was our mother-daughter time, and Her Interactive, the development company for Nancy Drew, is actually really cool, so don't laugh at it. No, That's awesome. <laughs> it sounds lame when you first say it, and then when you actually try it and you realize how difficult some of the games are, you wouldn't laugh at it anymore. Anyway, um, 
But no, that, that's always really cool finding some of the other stuff we used to play together. But currently I've been mostly busy just wrangling my child who is now also obsessed with Pokemon and has been running around the house. Dude, my, my, I, I brought my daughter home from art class today and like, uh, my wife and my son were, wa- were like watching the Pokemon movie or something that came out in like 2017 on Netflix. Is it the I choose you one where Pikachu talks? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did anybody, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cause I so they're watching it. And then like Caroline, my daughter, my eight year old starting to like get into it. And then like, it's towards the end of the movie and you know what happens. And she just starts bawling her oh eyes out, like crying. I was like, I'm like on Wikipedia. I was like, summary, 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 summary. So, okay. It's going to get good. But no, like she's like legit. Like <laughs> someone kicked her kitten, like sad, crying, sobbing. See, uh, I was but like but, but I was then watching. it has a happy ending and it was fun. I was, I was like that too. And I was watching with Peyton. I was like, Part of it's because it's my uh, <clears throat> my emotional time, and so I cry super easy. And I'm sitting here starting to cry, and then all of a sudden, spoilers: Pikachu talks like legit talks, and I I had to hold back a what the f in front of my kid because it was just wrong. It was so wrong, you guys. Like, oh, I thought Pikachu, that was awesome. It was creepy. I don't know. I was it, like, it I want to see this now. Did, did you see the trailer? For yes. See, that's what Pikachu should sound like. <laughs> <laughs> like Ryan Reynolds. But anyway, she's been running around the house capturing the Pokemon in our house, which happens to be our dog and our cat, who are absolutely loving it. And then she's like trying to get them to battle against each other. <laughs> that's awesome. It's been all day. So. Fantastic. <laughs> um... I've been playing, uh, you know, I finished the main story in Red Dead 2. I'm on the second part of the epilogue and uh, beyond You lost your amazing, isn't it? Beyond amazing. Like the end of the story. I'm on, I said I'm on the second part of the, the epilogue, so I'm almost there. And I'm working on in-game stuff, but like the main story, like I, I've been playing since Atari 2600. And like, I can comfortably say this is probably easily in the top three. Uh, stories I've ever played in a, a video game. It's like, it's incredible. Um, this is, I, I got a single tier towards the end of the game, and I know, like, yeah, I think, I was I, like I, a baby. dude, oh my god. And like, I was so I, connected to every single character. Oh my god. Well, I was, for like well, there are two now. characters, like Dutch and Micah, you, like, I hated them from the oh, onset. Yeah. Like, every time Dutch is like, well, I have a plan, I was like, screw you, you don't have a goddamn thing. Uh, like See, I had faith in him until like maybe chapter five. See, Roddy, that's 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 how they get you. Every yeah, I know. Time. I was like, you but know, like Micah, smart. Mi- I, I just I despise Micah from the get go. Oh, yeah. Because the first time you meet him, he's just a complete jerk. Um, but no, I I've been into that, and um, I picked up uh, a game that like most people wouldn't associate, wouldn't think that I'd be playing. I picked up a Dragon Age Inquisition. I just streamed it the other day, and I know. And Dave, oh. d- d- Dave, Dave was like, "What the hell are you doing playing this game in my chat?" <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it um, yeah, I was uh, having a blast with it because I, I did not know they did uh, multiplayer, and uh, I'm not that far into it, but I've been enjoying it. It's something something very different. 
uh, for me. I told a, a coworker of mine because he's the one that kind of convinced me to to get it. He had just been talking about it, and so I picked it up. He, and he said, "You know, you know, they don't have guns in this game, right?" I was like, "Yes, I know they don't have guns in this game, <laughs> but it's super fun." But we should probably uh, move on to our uh, mental health topic, um, <laughs> Doctor Goku. Do you want to take us through part two of Burnout? Sure. Uh, so last Saturday, we had kind of the first part of Burnout, or discussing Burnout, with uh, our good friend, My Name is Bife. Uh, amazing episode. Uh, but to kind of reiterate what I had discussed was Burnout is a state of emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion, caused by excessive and prolonged stress. It occurs when you feel overwhelmed and unable to meet constant demands. As the stress continues, you begin to lose the interest and motivation that led you to take a certain role in the first place. And this is very uh, prevalent in a lot of uh, different types of jobs. But one of them that is very prevalent is in game development. Uh, as gamers, we often just see the end product, what we play at home on our PC or on our console. And we forget how many people and how many hours it takes to craft the game that we play. Uh, you were speaking about Red Dead 2, uh, mm -hmm. Sentinel, and I remember... It right before launch, they were saying how, how crazy uh, Rockstar crunch times were. Right. And it was normal for most of the people working for Rockstar to work 100-hour weeks. Right. And I, I, I think they had later expanded on that, saying that, you know, the, as a disclaimer, not everyone was working that much. It was more the people, the higher executives, I think, is what they were trying to say. But regardless, go on. <laughs> But still, try to imagine working a hundred hours mm. in a week. Insane. It, it's completely insane. Some people with overtime, they can do a hundred hours in two weeks. But doing that in one is... That's a lot. Pretty absurd. Now, that is being in, in the area of uh, during crunch time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because it equates to about... Give or take 14 hours a day. That's grueling. Oof. So every day you're working 14-hour days. Seven days. Yeah, that's horrible. So it's 8 to 10 for a whole week or more. Yeah. Which is something that would lead a lot of people to suffer from burnout. I I did that for for about two, almost three weeks while I was in port. Remember when I was over there? And, uh, oh, yeah. And... Mm -hmm. I'm just now starting to feel like myself. So it's, yeah, it'll definitely Jeez. like. It, it takes a toll. And it's something that I talked about. Um, I talked about the four fundamental pillars of emotional regulation. And one of those pillars is sleep deprivation. If you're working 14 hours a day, chances are you are going to be sleep deprivated. Yes, you still have 10 hours left. But you're not going to be using those 10 hours to sleep. You have to get up, get ready, get to work, get home from work, eat. That eats up 
a whole lot of that 10 hours. So chances are you're sleeping four to five, uh, four to five hours a day. If you're lucky. And that will play a toll. And it's not something, uh, the more you kind of read, uh, it's a systemic issue in terms of video game developers, certainly around crunch time, of putting in long hours. And I'm sure uh, Roderick can tell us a little bit more because uh, he kind of has an inside perspective on that. Yeah, um, crunch is horrible. <laughs> there. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I was just gonna say, um, I'm lucky because at Bungie, uh, we tend to not crunch a whole lot um, for the Black Armory and creating the the raid that we did for that. There was some crunch that that I encountered. Um, it wasn't anything too crazy. Um, our deadlines were relatively tight, and um, so a bunch of us crunched, but it was for a very, very short period of time, and uh, really didn't affect our our out-of-work life very much. Uh, where I've been at studios like Sledgehammer Games, um, and when I was brought on there as a character artist, uh, we had basically nine months um to figure out a entire multiplayer gear pipeline before we ship the game. And so I crunched there and I was crunching, I think it was 80 hour weeks and that happened for months. And that was horrible. I'm sure that made your wife super happy. No, no, she she was not happy about that at all. Um, And like, I don't want to say crunch can be, it's totally avoidable. You just have to, manage a project and make sure you cut things that can be cut without jeopardizing the project or your employees. Um, so for example, at Bungie, we tend to shoot for the moon and we'll want to create something awesome and, and add a, a ton of stuff to an encounter. And then we'll start budgeting and we'll look and we'll be like, if we do this, we only have three months, let's say, to do it. Our artists and designers and animators, they're going to have to crunch. Well, there's a lot of game studios that are like, yeah, that's fine. They can crunch. Where at Bungie, we're more like, what can we cut from this so our employees have a good work-life balance? And so we'll, we'll start slowly reining in the scope of a project. So that way we don't get a lot of burnout. So you guys will try and set realistic deadlines. Yeah. With the, all the teams combined. Yep. That can really benefit avoiding crunch. I could see yep. that. Yeah. If you, if you have, I'm okay with a little bit of crunch. Um, and when I say a little bit, I'm talking like maybe I put in an extra hour, two hours, maybe three hours and I do it for two weeks. Um, I'm fine with that because. Most of the crunch that we do do at Bungie, it's it's for the user, for the artist, the individual to determine what he thinks or she thinks their crunch should be. Um, so when I was crunching on like Black Armory, I was fine with that because I knew the crunch that I was doing was benefiting the project. And I know where my limitations are. Uh, I know how much I can crunch without having the wife completely mad at me and without destroying my my out of bungee life. 
Um, but there's there's a lot of studios that it's just straight mandatory. It's like we have a project. Here's the deadline. It's an unrealistic deadline. We're not going to cut anything. You guys have to crunch. And from everything I've read on Rockstar, kind of sounds like every all the crunch is mandatory. Um, I don't have any friends mm-hmm. at Rockstar, so I don't have any you know, firsthand knowledge of, of mm-hmm. what broke down in their process. Um, but when you look at Rockstar Games, uh, you mentioned that Bungie shoots for the moon and you kind of rein yep. it in. I think Rockstar aims for Mars and they just keep pushing until they yep. reach there. When you look at Red Dead 2 in terms of the sheer size and scope of everything there is to do in that game, one asks themselves how much work needed to be put to have that type of monumental game. Couldn't imagine anybody walking away from that and going, yeah, I'm ready for the next project. <laughs> yep. Yeah, some of it, too, I think, with Rockstar. I think when they were developing Red Dead 2, I think there was some rewrite, if I read correctly, of the campaign, and that is also what caused some additional crunch. At Bungie, we tend to, if, if we do something and we get to a certain point and then art direction comes in and they want to make changes to stuff that we've already done. Um, and there's normally two things that take place. It's if you want to make changes to that content. So the employees don't have to crunch and we need to take and figure out what we can cut so that those changes can take place. Or we don't make those changes depending on how big or small they are. And we continue with the, additional content so we don't have to cut anything so we stay on schedule without crunching but like i said earlier i think most crunch is unavoidable or it's it's avoidable sorry it's avoidable (laughs) if you manage the project properly so this i don't know if this is like like obviously you don't have to answer this but just kind of throwing the thought out there obviously so i'm one of those people that thinks that like we were talking about earlier with the the accessibility of um like going to therapy for people um, and like the insurance issue and everything. And I personally wish that all jobs offered very reasonable coverage for that. But I feel like if you're going to, especially if you're going to be asking your employees to work a job like game development, where basically some form of crunch and potential burnout is a fairly high possibility, especially if it's not being managed correctly or well, um, I feel like they're even more so you need to be providing a really good <laughs> therapy coverage. So at least there's, um, I don't know if that makes sense. Kind of like a give or take, like if you're going to expect that from your employees, then making sure that they are set up with something to help them get through. If they hit a point that yep. feels like a burnout or rock bottom. And well, and, I think <laughs> like our medical insurance that Bungie provides us is amazing. And it covers things like that, therapy and, and stuff like that. That's all covered 100%. We just have to pay. I think it's like $15 copay. Um, That's awesome. But I think. Thank you for sharing. I didn't expect that. So. Uh, he actually shared that the last time he was on. Yeah, last time I was oh, okay. on. Okay. I'm, I'm I wasn't pretty open here, about so. all of our benefits <laughs> and, and stuff. Um, but I think when it comes to crunching, I, I personally, from the amount I've crunched, I don't feel like therapy. Um, helps a ton with that i would say more time off paid time off helps with burnout so if i crunch Mm -hmm. 
for three months straight and I put in 80 hours a week, um, six days a week, I would much rather at the end of that crunch be able to take a month and a half off than just sleep, play video games, do whatever I want to kind of re-energize where I don't, I personally don't believe therapy would help me re-energize. Yeah. But just having the time off would, for me personally, would be better. I guess I didn't, I didn't say. Well, it's a two part thing. It's a two part thing. Uh, one of the main thing is when one suffers from burnout, uh, because it's different than just taking a vacation. So while time off is essential to the treatment of burnout, there also needs to be a change because when someone, someone really suffers from burnout rather than, than just being exhausted from work, burnout changes the way you perceive things it changes your tolerance level to everything so you're much more easily fatigued for a mm-hmm. longer time so there there needs to be a system a systemic shift and change in the way you approach things in the long run and i think part of it would depend also on like how cuz you know if it's if it's a burnout that's occurring occasionally right like what you're kind of talking about Roderick but like that it's if it's like, for example, what you may or may not experience at, at Bungie and on a smaller scale compared to other places, um, you know, that maybe that's something where for, for the average person having more of just a, a vacation, a relaxation time, doing what you need to do to recuperate, to get that energy back um, would be all that you would need. I'm wondering if in a scenario where it's more of an ongoing, like that's just how the job is all the time, yep. if... Mm-hmm. Because then, then I feel like it's eating it's away at you long term. So it's got to affect like a lot more of that outside life too. Yep. Um, it, it's a key factor because humans are innately resilient and we can withstand and bounce back from things relatively well when it's something that is short lived. So in terms of crunch, it's something like you mentioned for a couple months and then you know you can take a month or so off and you can rest and recuperate. Well, burnout really instills itself. It's months upon months upon years of progressively kind of going downhill. Yeah, there was a great article that I shared with a couple guys tonight that I read that was written on February last year. And it was actually a... Uh, a game developer wrote it and he highlighted uh burnout in the dev studio he worked in. And he actually stepped away. He stepped away from developing games where his passion was and everything. And the amount of time that it took him, it took him several years. Uh, he got a, another job as like a plumber and a part-time job, just not doing anything. And then he slowly started to get that passion back and wanted to code and do things. And then several years later, got back into developing games. Uh, I think it was a indie studio that he was working with. Something that affects you that, that much and just takes the passion out of it and wears you down. I mean, even a few weeks, a month, or a couple years it could take to get that drive back. 
to get back into, you know, the well, flow state of, you know, finding, finding a, a place in a dev studio, kind of like a, a bungee. Bungie, it seems from what Roderick uh, says, uh, really cares about their teams and has a, a very solid flow state where there's a good medium. The way I can illustrate it is kind of the difference between being punched in the shoulder rather than being constantly poked in the shoulder. One's going to hurt for a short amount of time. It'll hurt a lot, but then it'll dissipate as time goes on. While the poking is something that is constant. At first, it's fine. It's annoying, but you can deal with it. But it's as time goes on. And it's the only thing you can think about, and you can no longer think about anything else other than you constantly being poked. I feel like part of what I've uh, taken out of this so far is that uh, not, not not saying that the therapy support isn't also beneficial, but that I, it, I think it brought this up before for me personally with um, it's the understanding of your job or your school or whatever. For me, it was school, especially um, of understanding of mental health. That, that sometimes mental health happens. It happens to all of us, whether it's a good way or a bad way. We all have it, right? And and I feel like sometimes in the workplace and in school and stuff, there's a lack of um, understanding and support for that idea of taking a break, right? And especially like in an, I'm, I'm I'm hoping I don't again I don't know other than what like we can get from our one person working at one studio here, um, but like. I would hope that studios are good at understanding that idea of after you do have crunch, after there is that potential burnout that might be happening for their employees, that if somebody needs to take a break, whether it's just, hey, we worked a whole bunch, we probably should get some time off, or it's, hey, I'm literally dealing with burnout here, my mental health is not good, I need a chunk of time for me. I hope that they understand that I actually support that really well. And that's something I wish I could see across the board in the workplace a lot better. Cause I, I often see people who are just like, they're, they're, they're working their butts off. It has nothing to do with being weak. It has nothing to do with being lazy. It's literally you hit a point where you need you time. I mean, literally you need self care <laughs> and, and continuously doing work doesn't allow for that. Um, yeah. I mean, you'll see a lot of places too that they'll put on like their website that they care about their employees mm-hmm. or their, their, their devs and this and that. And some of them you hope, uh, follow through with that, caring about, you know, the people's mental health and their, you know, their mental states and everything physical, you know, state. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it goes the negative way where they say one thing and they're, they're not understanding that somebody might need to take that time off mm-hmm. to gather themselves. I mean, uh, Jason, uh, with anxiety gaming, do you, uh, interact with any, uh, like, uh, studios or outside, uh, groups to help them kind of, uh, create something that's more not welcoming, but more centered around, uh, supporting mental health and anxiety and whatnot for their teams. Uh, right. So 
We've tried. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I've contemplated about chiming in on, on this conversation that wasn't brought up um, is is directly our experience. So uh, I've, I've helped hundreds of devs uh, across major studios, across indie studios, um, freelancing, I, a lot of them for burnout, a lot of them for other issues that are exacerbated by burnout. Um and you know, I've I've made pitches to companies on on pretty high levels, major developers, major publishers, um, and and I've pretty much in unison got the feedback of we appreciate the value that this can provide, um, but it's not cost effective, and cost oh. cost effective being like sometimes we haven't even charged. It, it's just we just want to do this. Um, I, I think what, what I found talking with a high level publisher who retired, um, from a major studio that's released some of the most top selling games, um, within the industry is, is that a lot of these publishers and developers don't really care because they can replace these devs so quickly. Um, it, it's okay if this dev burns out in in a crunch as long as they get through the crunch and then afterward okay well i'll just get another dev there's there's a lot of devs and i can just give them the same project to do and they either do it or they don't um you know it's 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 kind of nuanced to say yeah we have health insurance yeah we have we have stuff like that um, but when you're working 80 plus hours a week and you're trying to manage your life, your social life, your relationships, uh, probably an already pre-existing depression or anxiety, um, then to say, okay, now spend X amount of time trying to find a therapist. Oh, by the way, you still got to make time every week to see that therapist, but not on my time because, mm-hmm. you know, we have to do these things. Um, it, it's just a lot easier for the developers to say, yeah, we, we really care about our fellow dev mental health, but, you know, and, and just leave it there. Um, so, I mean, w- w- would you say that, you know, the professional supply and demand for devs kind of really overshadows um, that general concern? Uh, I mean, I, I get so many devs from different studios that that's the entire reason I reach out is just, Hey, look, I've, I've helped 70 people here. You have a 400 person team. That's concerning. Um, maybe we should do something about it. And they're like, Oh, you know, it's, it's something that we'll look into. We do set up philanthropy stuff. We've done charity stuff before, but we appreciate, um, the help and the interest. And it's like, no, hold on. <laughs> I'm not asking for a donation. Uh, I'm, I'm asking you know, to be able to publicly help people in, in your studio and, and to be able to, you know, offer our services and let people know, uh, well, we have, you know, Blue Cross or Blue Shield or we have this insurance provider. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, when we get into like the brass tacks of the conversation, it's just, hey, this, this seems like it's well intended, but I mean, it's, it's not really a concern for us. Um, it's either an mm. HR issue and, and HR is like, well, we've done all of we can, um, at least with our budget or at least what we can get away with. Um, and, and then it kind of falls to the wayside. Uh, we've never had any devs that have, uh, that we've worked with on an individual level who have not appreciated what we do or found a lot of value, uh, or haven't at least recommended maybe one, two, five, ten people, um, that they're working with to our programs. 
Um, but it is frustrating to, to just kind of silently be doing that in the background. Um, you know, it, effectively at a loss, you know, I, I also, as the founder, have to think about it from a business point. Um, you know, we're, right. we're doing that free work for studios that can afford it. But again, you know, when you, when you talk about it from the money side, from their point of view, it's like, well, do we really need to pay for this? Cause that person's replaceable. See, the um, sad part ooh. is that it, it really struck a chord with me how, how you said that because, uh, the, my line of work, they've, our upper uh, management have actually, you know, verbally told us in a meeting, uh, if you don't like it, you can go and you can be replaced. There's a line of people waiting to come wow. here and they would be glad to take your position. There, there is. And, and these companies, you've got to think too, it, it's not like people are just throwing resumes at them and they're, they're thinking about it. They have tech recruiters. They have, they have massive recruiters that go out and will find thousands of people who will take this job, mm-hmm. um, who yeah. are dreaming of this job. And when they go into the crunch and their life is spiraling out of control because of everything that's going on, it's, well, it's that or I don't have a job. I guess I'm just going to keep doing this. Um, you know, one of the, these same, um, big studio leads that, that was giving me some of this inside information, um, you know, was also the same one that had kind of pitched to me this idea of you got to think about it too from that individual de- developer standpoint. Would they tell their employee they're struggling or tell employees that they're struggling or tell their employer they're struggling? Cause that sounds like a good grounds to get terminated. Um, you know, whether that's because there's these stigmas against mental health issues, well, I don't want this person to get disgruntled, you know, and come back and do something or just, well, this person's depressed, their output's probably going to be worse. I'll just bring somebody else in. And that's something that really scares me. So I'm, I really want to get into the game industry and, but (laughs) surprise, I deal with a crap ton of mental health stuff and I'm always so scared to, I mean, this is any, any industry, but it just happens to be the one we're talking about for me. Um, I, I get so scared about like, it's not something I want to hide because it is a factor. I am going to need times to take care of me and I'm going to have some weird times where, yeah, my product productivity may be a little out of whack and I'm going to, I want to be open about that, but I also don't want them to like write me off the second I say, so <laughs> mental health. <laughs> and they're like, okay, bye. You know, cause it's like, I feel like there a lot of times there's these assumptions of what that means. And there is that replaceability factor. And that's scary to me. So I think I'm just going to put it on the table. Like, I think I'm just going to focus on applying at Bungie because <laughs> it sounds pretty good. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> More and more companies are adopting mental health days as part of the kind of the, the sick day mm. package, saying that I just need a day for myself for self care. And it's something that's becoming more and more um, prevalent in Canada and the US. Whereas when you look at Europe, more in the Scandinavian countries, where that's been there mm-hmm. for a long time. They focus on time off, time with family, rather than being well. Even like um, paternity and maternity leave and stuff. Like the fact, the fact that there actually even is like leave for the father <laughs> built in in a lot of other mm-hmm. countries, whereas there isn't here everywhere by default. And 
and just just in general we 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 don't <laughs> we're a little behind on that whole yeah. take care of your personal life so that you can take care of your work better and longer i know here in, in canada i think the and i think it's similar in the us the mandatory government regulated time off is about 2 weeks per year so no matter what job you have to have two weeks time off when you look somewhere like Sweden. Well, well, I mean, in the United States, it's actually regulated by um, per state. Yeah. You know, it, it uh, sadly, you know, there's no federal government. There's no federal regulation in the United States on like you get X amount of vacation days per year. It's really up to the states and then it's up to the kind of the companies to really take that policy and run with it. I'm fortunate enough, you know, I, I work for a California based company. So there we have what's called responsible paid time off, but you know, it is, it is definitely going to take some time. That does, uh, when insurance gets involved, I mean, what, what Jason has been pitching to some studios and this and that is, uh, he wants to come in with his with a you know a very positive program, and Jason's such a great guy, and the Anxiety Gaming team is so great that they do a lot. I mean, they don't want paid; they want to help people, right. and they want to help devs. I mean, like Jason said a, a few minutes ago, they've helped seventy people on a team of four hundred for nothing. This was just how much compassion that they have for the people because a lot of them have experienced it and have seen what it does to people that they care about their mental state so much that you know what put the wallet away you know we want to help i i think you know doing things for free is is um is its own sign of rebellion i i think for us it's it's almost like a power play it's it's us making that choice that this is that important that yes. we're willing to sacrifice for that. And, and so it definitely can be frustrating when companies are just like, nah, you know, Oh, it's, it's totally understandable. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how <laughs> you can't even put words on it. I mean, I, I don't know how, how somebody can not see the positive impact that it has on their team members and don't go, you know what? Let's let's work on something. Let's put something together. Right. A happy employee is a productive, but it's still a and is a loyal. I think it's still the case where it's still a replaceable employee, and and that's what a lot of these companies see. See, I think that's the main issue with uh, with game development. Um, Some of us senior artists, we we have a better grasp of how the industry works, and. we tend to have a lot of friends all over, you know, the United States who've been at some studio, studio X, Y, or Z. And so as a senior artist, if we're looking at moving to a studio, we normally have friends we can talk to who've been at that studio and we can check and see what the crunch was like at that studio. Um, but the issue I think is a lot of these studios they tend to hire these students fresh out of college, the, these students that want to impress and, and build their name up in the video game industry. They're hungry. They hire them, 
and they know those students are going to bust butt and put in as many hours as the studio wants just so they can get their name on the credits and maybe get bumped up to mid-level or move to another company. So a lot of these companies that do a lot of crunch, they will hire these juniors, mm. work them almost to death. Take advantage and then, of them. Yeah, yeah, basically take advantage, advantage of them, kick them out, and then hire the next fresh college student and do it to them. And they're getting cheap labor, and they're getting an employee that will that essentially busts butt and puts in the hours. And that's unfortunate because after a couple of years, those college students – after being in the industry, they start to resent the industry and they don't see the the positive side of it because they've been taken advantage of. See, and then don't the companies in the end potentially lose out later on when they're looking for somebody with more experience to fill in those senior positions that at some point will move out? Because <laughs> um, now you, you're, you're, you're literally leaving all these people kind of hating the industry or being burned out really quickly right right out of college why would they stick with it you know yep. why would they stick learning it because like when you look at when you look at anything that isn't just super low entry level in the game industry there's a lot of experience required and i'm always like where the heck am i supposed to get this ex like 10 years of experience when nobody's hiring for that but it's because that turnaround rate is so quick they're mm -hmm. picking up people instantly in those lower levels but now i would i'm imagining in a few years aren't they going to be kind of screwed over? Like, who are they going to hire for those senior positions? It'll, it'll eventually run out. It'll run. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, like, don't... Uh, I always bring up Sledgehammer Games. Um, the people I worked at at Sledgehammer, amazing people. The studio and the structure and how it was ran was horrible. Um, <laughs> but a lot of us, we crunched a lot for Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. And as soon as that game hit, we all got our our bonuses because it sold well. And as soon as everybody got their bonuses, almost 50% of the company left. They're just gone. Jeez. Uh, myself included. And then here, when they were working on, um, world war two, uh, they were reaching out and trying to hire seniors because all the seniors left because we didn't like the crunch. Mm. Right. And they ended up not being able to fill a lot of those positions, so they took and hired juniors to fill those positions. So I think even if they won't, even if in five years from now, these studios can't hire seniors, what you're going to end up getting is studios that hire a ton of juniors, and the quality of work will go down. Mm. These juniors are going to be taken advantage of, chewed up and spit out, and they're essentially going to resent the entire industry because of it. Right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I see it actively happen every day. Lots of, of you know, these wide-eyed developers that got in super excited, and then their application comes in, and they're they're ready to go. They're, you know, is it me? Is it what I'm doing? Maybe I'm not good enough to do this. Maybe that's the case. And you know, it's it's a great part of understanding that this is kind of just the system that we've created. Um, we've created this across so many different work environments. You know, but now it's filtering into gaming because, you know, we, we have these companies like Tencent who will come in and they put a hundred million dollars in front of a studio and they're like, give me this all back plus some. And you've got X amount of time to make that happen. Um, and you're going to do that by any means possible, whether that is 
abusing hundreds of, of juniors um, or running the seniors to the very end of their rope. But that's that's what you have to do is at the end of the day, you have that balance. You have to go and deliver on. And those companies, those investors end up controlling these studios. And you see it happen to, to companies like Blizzard who go from being this paradise oh uh, of, a, of a studio that everybody's obsessed with to... Oh man, Diablo Immortal. Cool. Um, oh, you know, God. and <laughs> you had to it, reference that. <laughs> it's, it's scary to see that stuff come in, but you've got to know, you know, at the top of Blizzard, these executives in, in some ways make that deal with the devil for all of this big money. Um, and they're going to have to deliver and it doesn't matter what it costs. If it's the people, um, if it's the studio itself, that happens more often than not. It's it's all going to go down. Um, it's it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate where we where we are on the grand scheme of things of just trying to, in some ways, pick up the pieces of the people who get crunched by those systems, crunched by that crunch. I, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I keep referencing Bungie Studio, but it really does. Uh, seem they're very focused on their teams and, you know, very aware of the impact crunch has on their team members and, you know, the devs. Well, I mean, I mean, thinking about like, you know, as we kind of hypothesize and think about like these large studios like Bungie, like, you know, like Dice, uh, Bethesda, Ubisoft and stuff like that. But just kind of imagine some of the indie game studios with such a low, um, personnel staff and number where they really, you know, they, they're kind of forced to crunch to, to be able to compete onto the, the game stage. Yep. Well, like, oh, sorry. Hold on. sorry. I was just going to say, um, some of the issue too, that I've noticed over the past seven, eight years is the influx of games and gamers has increased quite a bit. Um, for example, when I was younger, um, playing on the original Xbox, in a given year, there was only you know, five games maybe that were released mm-hmm. per year. And now we have hundreds and hundreds of studios producing AAA games, and they're all competing yeah. for the user to purchase their product. And what that's causing is these studios are having to basically up their game because they're competing against so many other studios. Mm-hmm. So their product has to be better than the next studio. And that breeds some of this crunch as well because they try to cram too much stuff into their game just to get that user to purchase it, yeah. um, which is which, also unfortunate. Which seems really funny. as the, I mean, speaking as the, as the consumer end, um, this is something that like, I, I talk with my husband about this all the time. Every time that we see a game company come out with a game that was clearly not ready or wasn't what they said it was going to be. And I'm, I'm thinking of a very particular kind of recent <laughs> one. Um, Fallout? Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, just as an example, you know, and it's, it's this, we, we sat down when that happened, we had this whole conversation about how we get that there's this competitiveness because there's so many more companies and there's so many more people playing games and you want to provide an option for everybody at the same time as the consumer. I only have so much money to spend and I really actually would prefer that 
companies took longer to come out with the better thing. And if they would almost, because I know, I know, I know there's competitiveness, but I also know from talking with different developers that a lot of you guys do, like you were saying, you communicate with each other, you're friends with people who work at other companies, you do support each other, right? Like I I love seeing a a dev team, like congratulate another one for having a successful launch. Like that's so cool to see, even though they can be in the exact same genre competing against each other for sales in the same month, but they will be applauding each other when one succeeds really well. And that's really cool to see. But at the same time, it's like there is still this competition. But as a consumer, I would rather it was a little more spread out so I can like drop my 60 bucks on multiple games in a year instead of all of them in, you know, November. Yep. <laughs> like, and, and then also I'm more guaranteed, right? And then I'm more guaranteed to have a better time in a more complete game. And I also can have the comfort of knowing that potentially the development team wasn't run completely into the ground as quickly. Like, all in all, that just sounds so much nicer. Maybe that's way too ideal. I don't know. But, like, it's no, just... No, I like, I like what you're saying. I, I really do. <laughs> I just don't know how realistic that is to also still maintain the competitiveness that you need in the market. But, like, I have a hard time wanting to throw money at a game, even if it looks interesting, if I have concerns about what the dev team went through or concerns about the quality I'm going to get because of how quickly they were pushed to put out something. Yep. Does that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, you're, you're on the right path. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that would, you know, not agree with you with everything you said. I mean, definitely for one, you know, stretch out releases. Oh I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm I hate how they're always released in November. <laughs> I, know. I really wish they would come out like January through December instead of like January. December. Those yep. are the two main <laughs> yeah. Also, because like, it's the holiday season, I get that's when sales work, but that's also when I have the least amount of money as the consumer to yeah, buy your games. That's when you're buying gifts for everybody else. Exactly. You probably aren't buying video games for your grandma. You're probably buying her a book or something, right? <laughs> so, like, yeah, release it throughout the year instead of mm-hmm. two months out of the year. So you say a, a book for your grandmother, I'm thinking... Wait a minute, I did get her a book on her Kindle, but she doesn't know how to work. <laughs> yeah, see, exactly. See, and I'm over here thinking... How is she like, going to be able to read ready? <laughs> I'm over here thinking about the 70-year-old we had in games before, which was really cool. <laughs> like, like, my grandma's going to be playing games, you guys. <laughs> As a consumer, there's the... It's going to sound kind of dumb at first, but there's the stress of, like, balancing playing all of your favorite games and supporting the companies that you want to support and and also still being able to make those um like moments that you're going to want to cherish and the friendships and stuff where like how many times especially in the past did we hear people like being like oh i feel like i'm cheating on destiny because this other game came out and i don't know how to balance playing all of it because also games are they're bigger and they're better and they're more they they require more of your time, right? Like there's a lot of commitment. There right. is such a thing. As <laughs> and then, yeah, then, then there's the whole like, getting outside and like other self-care outside of gaming like, uh, or making the games. When you look at something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, <laughs> the amount of stuff in that game is, is I don't, if you're not playing that game and only that game, See, at least I, I that one has the benefit of that. It's not a, um, it's not something like destiny where 
you know, you walk, not saying that Dustin has a major issue with this or not, <laughs> um, but that it's not a game where when you walk away for a while, you're going to fall behind other people that you then want to play with. You know what I mean? Like when you have like a so, more of a solo play game, mm-hmm. you may take a long time to complete it, but at least there's not like the pressure of, well, if I walk away for a month and then this is speaking from very much experience, if I walk away for a month and come back, everybody on my podcast is going to judge me <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not going to be able to do raids or, you know, get into forges forever because I didn't play. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I do agree that there is this, there, it's like there's so much to play in each game, but I want to play 20 different games. <laughs> I also can't afford 20 different games, but I don't know. I just, I, it's thinking of it from both the consumer and the developer standpoint, there's a lot that I feel like we could all do better at to balance it and also make sure everybody's enjoying themselves and not overworked. Again, maybe I'm just being really naive and no. picturing magical worlds, but I yeah. feel like it's possible. I just don't know what we change exactly to get there. I mean, I feel well, like conversations like this where we have like a developer in our group talking with us or kind of on similar pages is a very good start, I hope. <laughs> but. Well, with with Jason's uh, experience, uh I know we got to get uh, moving on here in a minute, but uh, Jason, with your experience with working with uh, so many different people uh, through the communities, you know, from studios down, uh, what are some of the, not, you could say, what are some of the signs of somebody that could be experiencing burnout and maybe a first step to maybe uh, recuperating? I guess I would word it. Yeah. You know, I, I think some of the signs that people typically don't notice right away, but, but really start to build the bridge to that is the lack of autonomy um, that they start to feel within their company or their organization. Um, and, and by that, I mean, you know, there's, they're starting to feel not necessarily helpless, um, but less impactful. It's it's starting to really dawn on them that what they're doing isn't necessarily individually as important as what other people around them might be doing. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I, I notice with the people that we help, um, at least before they get to like a full stage burnout, um, is they'll complain to us that they're, you know, they feel like a cog at this point. They feel like one of many people within a team. Um, and if they weren't there, than somebody else would be. Um, that that always really concerns me. I, I think the other part that I start to notice as well is the emotional disconnection. Um, a lot of people will start to find reasons why where they are doesn't really work. And they're trying to kind of emotionally justify what they're feeling at that given point. You know, well, this studio is not that great. This game's not that impressive. Um, what I'm doing here isn't that necessary you know they're finding ways to just split from all of the stress and the anxiety that they're currently feeling Um, and that eventually begins to progress into the more classical symptoms of of anxiety of of feeling the tension the um, increased stress the increased heart rate the nervousness the discomfort going into work not wanting to be in that environment anymore Um, those are the areas where um, well, I had already hoped that person 
was seeking help is, is more when people reach us and are like, Hey, I'm starting to feel this way. I don't like going to work anymore. I feel, um, I wouldn't say anxious because a lot of the times they don't know it's anxiety. Um, but they, they start to say that they feel really on edge or tense when going into the office. Um, unfortunately that's, that's when we need to be doing the most work with them. Well, it's great. You have your resources available for everyone, not just, you know, devs and not just, you know, not just the community, but everybody as, as a whole, it's, I, I, I came and put words together for what you guys do. <laughs> Thank you. 365 so days a year for people. Cause I mean, you really, you put your best foot forward every single day for other people. I think as a community, that's, that's just all we got to do. You know, not, maybe not to the extent that we're doing a 24 seven, but you know, just a couple of times in our life, just really putting other people right before us and it goes a long way. It does. It does. And the content Absolutely. you guys help create with uh rad is awesome too. So that, posi- <laughs> that positive spin in the, you know, on Twitch and on streaming services, having that relaxing, positive gaming experience with that side of the team is great to see on, you know, the Twitch directories and throughout. I mean, I really enjoy watching the streams. I mean, I tune in every week. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the discord and I see the, the live prompt. And even if you guys are just, you know, playing like D and D or something, I mean, it's just such a relaxing, positive experience. <laughs> I appreciate that. We're, we're trying to get so much better at doing content, you know, for, for the longest time we stuck by this uh, ideology of, you know, there, there's a lot of awareness stuff out there and there's a lot of um, people working against the stigma and, and we specifically want to be the action. Um, you know, we, we want to be directly involved with the, the life changes and, and that healing process. Um, but it's such a, a, a a silly thing to kind of hardline into. Um, the reality is, you know, we can, we can do these streams in these game nights that we already do anyways. You know, we all get together and just kind of hang out and have fun and relax from everything we've done. Um, but we can invite people to come and hang out with us and take a break as well. And, you know, just kind of see the lighter side of, of what we do. That's fantastic. Um, but a uh, great topic, uh, Dr. Goku. Thank you for helping us kick this off. But we should probably get going. I know we could all sit here and probably talk for hours and hours. <laughs> but, but one of us is on Atlantic time. <laughs> like 8.50 here. You know, I'm good. Three more hours. <laughs> um, but w- why don't we go ahead and move on to some gaming news. Um so, uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake, uh, demo is going to be available for everyone January 11th through the 31st, but there's a timer on it and you only get 30 minutes of game time to play it. Um, which I think is an interesting marketing strategy, but, uh, I'm definitely really excited. You know, I remember when Resident Evil 1 and, uh, 2 and 3 and the original ones first came out and like how, how awesome it was like on my old you know, um, first PlayStation, um, playing games like that. Um, but I don't know. I, uh, kind of interesting to see how the remake, uh, plays off, uh, kind of quite a, an iconic, uh, video game franchise, especially in the horror genre. I think the remake's going to be pretty cool. I think, uh, I think the whole 30 minute thing, 
it's very interesting how they're doing that. Um, but I my guess is means. it's probably going to be identical to Resident Evil. And you probably will only need 30 minutes hands-on with it to realize that it's probably pretty close to one-for-one one with the original Resident Evil 2. Um, yeah. And so I don't think they really need to, to give any more time than that. But I'm excited. I want. Oh, to me too. Like, I think it's gonna be awesome. That next chapter after playing the first one, I mean, the first game freaked me out, and I used to actually oh, totally. play that game while listening to. <laughs> this was just me personally listening to the Cranberries, the song <laughs> while going through the hallways. <laughs> and it pumped me up, and I still reminisce about it. But going into Resident Evil 2, going into the city, seeing Raccoon City all ratted oh, up, so like good. brought me into the zombie genre and everything. But that freaking monster would rip through a wall at any moment throughout any course of the game and would freak the hell out of me every single time. That's Resident Evil 3. No, 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 that was two. It was, uh, what was his name? Ty, uh, not Ty. Oh, Ty, 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 I, was, I thought you were referencing Nemesis. Oh, you know what? I might be. Was that three? Yeah, Nemesis. Yeah, that was three. three. No, yeah. it wasn't. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's what Jill Valentine, <laughs> and she starts off already kind of in the city. Uh, Resident Evil 2 is, is Claire and Leon Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, and that is them going into the underground and, and really discovering a lot of what's going on in um, in Raccoon City with Umbrella. Um, he does run into William, who has injected himself with the T-virus. Um, but that's not the same of, as like in 3, where Nemesis is like literally hunting you down. And you get those stars cutaway scenes. Yeah. Where you, where you so good. Loving this. Right. I'm glad you guys picked it up immediately <laughs> and corrected me because I didn't, I haven't played that game since I was like 12 years old. Yep. It's been a while. Like thinking about how long. In the 90s, if you yeah, were like, listening to cranberries. <laughs> anyway, don't knock the cranberries. Man. Oh, I they love were awesome. Trust me. <laughs> all my question flavors. That, um, if you listen to our last episode, that was a Hatchie Dave moment. Yes. <laughs> that was beautiful. Um, oh my gosh! Now two is two is one of my all time favorite games, and and one of the things that I was uh, listening to this morning is the um, the safe rooms that you enter. They changed the music for the safe rooms, and um, I was debating back and forth on if I liked the new safe room music or not. I just the old one is so iconic. It feels so hopeless and. Uh, so there's just something about that, like getting to that safe room, going through your inventory, and you're just like, oh, man, I don't know if I have enough bullets to keep doing this. <laughs> that was one of the things about Resident Evil. You always, like, found a moment where you ran out of bullets or you couldn't find that potted plant that gave you, you know, oh, yeah. your life back. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, nothing drove me more insane than... In the de in the uh, Resident Evil games, where you would open a door and you would get that cutscene for thirty five seconds of nothing but that door and then blackness to go through it, and then you come back out, walk down a hallway for about five seconds, and go back into another door. 
<laughs> It'd take you five minutes just to traverse a corridor. I mean, <laughs> that was my, yeah. Classic. Oh, the little limitations so of the PlayStation 1. Um, Hell yeah. But no, uh, definitely keep an eye out January, January 11th through the 31st. Uh, so check out the, the Resident Evil 2 uh, demo um, if uh, you are a Resident Evil fan. Red Dead Online had a big update, and they it, it, you know, they had some lifestyle improvements, and they did say that the beta is going to last at least a few more months. And, but they also added this gun rush mode. It's almost like a mini battle royale. It's 32 players and you can play in squads or solo. And you start with nothing and the map shrinks just like every other battle royale kind of mode. And I tried it earlier when I got home from work and I'm terrible at it. I got killed immediately, but you know, it's, it's just kind of fun. It's, I don't know. I, I think I, I would, it's kind of like a more casual. Battle Royale take. How, how do they shrink the map? What's the mechanic for that? Um, I did not make it that long. I'm also not a Battle Royale aficionado. It's just, <laughs> um, but no, I'll, I'll have to get a few more rounds in. So do they like to put you on the map instead of like flying on a bus? Do they just like kick yeah. you off a horse or something or... Well, no, you, you, you just, you, you just load, load into the instance and then everyone's kind of off, like trying to, and, and, but, but like all the, all the guns are like actually, uh, shows on the map. So you know where they are, which is one's at the top of a tree. No, they'll be at, at like the top of a windmill. So people are all trying to climb up the ladder. And then there's this one. One jerk at the top, just waiting for people to get up, and he just stabs everyone as they get to the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> they need a flying wagon wheel. Yeah, Can flying we just wagon. Make it like a necessity now that all games have to have a battle royale. Yeah, like, and <laughs> just everything. It's it's. You know, what I mean, I get that. that. I just I want. There's certain games it. that I, I really well, want I mean, to try just... to make it because it wouldn't make any sense for them, but I really want to see it happen for like Pokemon Go battle royale is the next. <laughs> <laughs> physically fighting <laughs> that would be so fun Tetris Battle Royale only I'm getting the L-shapes bitches I like that Dave's over here like yeah Pokemon Go Battle Royale let's do it <laughs> fighting over some hill where a Pokemon's gonna spawn and... <laughs> you don't choose you I choose you that's the next billion dollar idea right there <laughs> Yeah, copyright Six it right months now. from now, you're going to see that come out. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, oh, wow. And, you know, we, we were talking about um, uh, Rockstar earlier, and, you know, they, they, did, um, they did start hiring, at least in India, for, um, for the next uh, generation of uh, game and their next project, which, of course, are being tight-lipped about, but it's kind of interesting to speculate. Um, I know, I know they did, they, they did confirm because they were going to come out with this game called Agent years ago, like seven or eight years oh, ago, new and, but, but they have completely dropped that IP. They are not going to be making that game. So a lot of people are you know, thinking, well, they're going to go straight to Red Dead 3 due to the success. Um, you know, what? 
uh, you know, um, Goku had mentioned Ellie Noir, and a lot of people are thinking it might be like Bully Two or something like that. Um, because people have been asking about that for a while, which I think would be horrible. Uh, that is <laughs> going to be until we hear what yeah, Bungie's it, project is. What? What? Huh? What? Uh, what are you talking about? The like eight months ago, <laughs> they got Bell. Do you know what I'm talking about? What? Like eight months ago, uh, Bungie got uh, uh, financially backed <laughs> for a set a separate IP. Okay, what's for a, oh, it's a coloring book? For a no, it's just company. a coloring book. No, that was an expensive coloring book. This is coloring book. <laughs> It's that hundred million dollar coloring book. Yeah, it colors dollars. itself, and you just watch it. But it's actually a coloring battle royale. <laughs> That's what it is. That's the IP, you guys. <laughs> no, I have um, no idea what perfect. you're talking about. I'll pull up the article. Yeah. For sure. But, but, but no, it's a so coloring that's... book, and I'm cool with that because the last coloring book was really awesome, and I have it so. But no, so that's uh, interesting that they're already hiring for it, which isn't, um, you know, too unexpected. Well, Rockstar takes forever. No, exactly. So, um, it took what nine nine years to put out Red Dead Five Two. That yeah, they were working on and look how five? wait, hold on. Then why was there so much? <laughs> this is the same. This is it's Rockstar, the same company we were just talking about. The ridiculous level of crunch that was going on. Correct. What were they doing? No offense. I know it's a really big game and it's very, very impressive. But if there's nine years, why was there such an intense level of that on their employees? Am I missing something? Am I just being really dumb right now? Or like, because that just sounds wrong. I don't know. Well, I think different studios work in different ways. And I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you could say from pen, from start of conception date, to end of product could be nine years, but that well, that doesn't okay. that 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 doesn't mean that there are you know. No, I thought I'm just taking your guys' word years. on it, and I'm, I'm, I thought you meant like full on development mode for nine years. Right. But. Okay. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, then then but, I could see um, that the next thing that they're hiring for would be the next Red Dead because. I was hoping it wasn't at first because I was worried that would mean they were going to try to crank it out crazy fast, which would go back to what we were discussing earlier. Um, yeah, but but I Rockstar doesn't do fast. No, they don't do fast. I mean, right. and, and that's a reason why their player base are so huge. Um, and, 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 and I mean, look at GTA Five. How long ago that came out, and how many people are still logging in every single day to play GTA Online? To play GTA. Oh yeah, love it. Yeah, you know. I want it to be State of Emergency 2. I'm sure you guys don't even remember that game. Uh, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember it as well. Nope. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> Go on. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> it was terrible. But, um... <laughs> anywho, um, some fun news came from Bungie and Activision, and everyone in the world is commenting on it. Um, Joe, what happened today? We talked about it before we started, you know, started recording, but uh, today Bungie announced that they are going to now become a self-publishing uh, studio. They are stepping away from Activision. Isn't that right, Roderick? 
Yes. How convenient. <laughs> Congratulations. Congrats. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Congrats. You know, Activision, um, they've been a, a great company to work with. Um, I'm going to miss work, not working with like, uh, Vicarious Visions, um, and High Moon Studios. Both studios are amazing. Um, oh, so that goes out the window too with us because they're under. Yep. They are Activision oh. companies. Okay. Um, unless Activision still allows us to contract with them for safety. Right. Um, oh, and I was going to buy you dinner next time you were in New York. Yeah. I probably won't get to go to New York now. I'm sure you will. I'll bring you out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go? Um, you have to send them meals on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everybody at Bungie's pretty excited about it. Um, it's a, a new adventure. Um, we're going to try to self-publish our our own game. It, it gives us more freedom and flexibility. Um, <laughs> we're able to to rapidly make changes without having to run them by, you know, a, a publisher. Um, so mm. that should help speed up some of the process. Um, On that yeah. coloring book. Good one. Our relationship with Activision is still top-notch. And both them and Bungie, we split on agreeable terms. Um, I think that's pretty much all I can say at this point. Well, I mean, I mean, kind of like on paper, wasn't the idea for Bungie, you know, years ago, you know, to kind of go out on their own eventually? It's- yeah, that's that's always been Bungie's plan. Um, that's why. When we partnered with Activision, we never gave them the rights to Bungie as a studio or to <laughs> Destiny, um, the franchise, uh, because our intent was always to, once we broke away from Microsoft, it was to get a partner like Activision to help fund what we wanted to do until we built up enough of an income and uh, enough of a reserve. To, to go out on our own and be independent. We've always strived to be independent. And Activision, they helped us achieve the goal that we had set. And that's one of the things I wanted to bring up is that um, I understand from the <laughs> from the gamer, the Guardian standpoint, um, a lot of the community is very anti-large um, company, right? Like, we've made whether they're correct or, or incorrect assumptions about why certain things have happened or didn't happen or certain, I don't know, like microtransactional kind of things exist or don't exist. We make assumptions because we're not inside the company. Right. Um, and we blame that. We put a lot of that on to Activision. Um, and I've seen a lot of the response from the community is very, very positive about this, uh, shift, which is great. And I fully support it. Like, I love it. I'm really excited to see what happens with it. I think it's going to be a great thing, but I've also seen an immediate, like throwing Activision under the bus thing happening again. And I feel like we're forgetting as a community that the game we have now, what we do have, whether you completely love it or you have issues with it, whatever probably wouldn't exist or at least would not exist in the 
way it does or would not have come to us when it did if it hadn't been for Activision and Bungie working together. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm based on what you're saying right now, like they made, they helped make this process possible to this point. And now you guys are at a point where you can go branch off and do things, I guess, in the way that the community is hoping is what we're wanting you to do with yeah. it. Um, yeah, if think. it wasn't for Activision, we probably would not have Destiny like we do today. If we had okay. some different develop or different publisher pick us up that was more strict, then Destiny very much could be completely different than what it is today. Um, I think Activision, working with Activision and all their studios, it's been a pleasure. They've they've been top notch. Um, that's why when when today when I tweeted out or retweeted the the Bungie tweet about us breaking away, I also retweeted the the Activision tweet mm-hmm. um, because yep. Activision is as much part of Destiny as Bungie is because they have helped finance it and helped with marketing and all that um, good stuff. Yeah, so, even before 2014, before Destiny released, I mean, yeah, they, they believed in us. As a publisher, they believed in, in Bungie enough to give us the finances that we needed in order to develop Destiny 1 and Destiny 2, which is amazing. So do we actually officially label you guys as an indie studio now? Is that how we refer? I think just a uh, studio will do. Yeah, just studios. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to slap the indie thing on there because I love it. <laughs> Chill out, hipster. <laughs> hey, most of my very favorite games, actually, I'm pretty sure all of the ones in my top list are all independent studios. So, <laughs> You mean indie studios? <laughs> I'm done. Good night. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think we're all to see, you know, um, where Bungie goes from here and how the game, um, you know, uh, how, how the franchise takes off and like what, a, what you know, where, where the end result's going to be from this split. You know, of course, I think, I think everyone's going to want, you know, instant satisfaction because that's just how people are. And Gamers especially having yeah. patience, what? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think, I think definitely, you know, definitely time will tell and um, we'll definitely see the fruits of the labor down the road. And I know we're all going to be very excited for it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't expect any major changes, you know, throughout <laughs> this year because the, the content that we have that we're releasing throughout the year is, is content that, we've already planned for and set up and that was planned for and set up with Activision. So I would not expect any major changes. Well, you're not going to just scrap everything you worked on with them and just give us all new stuff. What? Destiny (laughs) three battle Royale. (laughs) With a coloring book. (laughs) With With a coloring book. (laughs) Actually, destiny battle Royale would be kind of cool. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> a, a community member, actually. isn't that what Black Ops is? Is this what we say? Confirmed. <laughs> take all the destinations, combine them, right? And then oh my just God. drop players. Have you awesome. have you pitched this to your team already? Because it sounds no. like you thought it through. <laughs> no, because do you know how no, much that gets do, 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 so do you know how much artwork he would have to do? Already <laughs> done. He, he'd be in crunch time. He'd get burnt out. <laughs> 
but uh, no, I, I think we're all, you know, definitely super excited to see where it goes, especially someone who's, you know, kind of more of a, a more casual Destiny player. I'm uh, really excited to see um, where it goes. Um, and that's awesome. But we should probably move on to our uh, character analysis um, before Dr. Goku falls asleep. <laughs> who, who are we talking about, Dr. Goku? Darn Canadian time zones. I know. <laughs> Uh, this week, uh, I decided to, um, not do a poll because we've been talking about certain characters on who we could do and we decided to do a very iconic gaming character. So this week we're, um, touching on Nathan Drake from the Uncharted franchise. Awesome character. So good. Awesome. The next Indiana Jones right there, if not better. <laughs> and with a YouTube short movie by Nathan Fillion. <laughs> yes, and that's something I, I wanted to touch on a little bit later. Mm-hmm. The the Uncharted movie, whenever that's going to come out, God knows when it's going to come out. Um, from the get-go, I've always had Nathan Fillion in mind to play Nathan And that Drake. just sealed it. Yeah, but. and when you think about it, Nathan Drake is voiced and mo-capped by Nolan North. Oh, no way. Who now took the mantle of Cade and uh, Nathan Fillion that voiced and uh, voiced Cade took Nathan's job, uh, Nolan's job as uh, Nathan. That's all sorts of confusing. Also, way too many end yes, names. It's, <laughs> it's a good switch. And, and, and actually coming out next spring is the Uncharted Battle Royale. <laughs> Without a coloring book. <laughs> so Nathan Drake is the lead character of one of the most successful PlayStation game franchises. Uncharted spans a series of games and motion comics first released in uh, 2007 on November 19th and the latest installment um, in 2017 on August 22nd, 2017 made by Naughty Dog uh, makers of other monumental successes for the PlayStation like, like Crash Bandicoot, Jack and Daxter and The Last of Us. So Naughty Dog has a long history of celebrated video game franchises. Nathan Drake is a charismatic um, hero, which is often described as a modern-day Indiana Jones, kind of mixed in with a little bit of uh, Tomb Raider uh, and Lara Croft. The series has sold over 41 million copies worldwide, and the second game in the franchise, uh, which is Among Thieves, is considered to be one of the greatest video games of all time. Uh, like I mentioned, while the series spans uh, multiple iterations, uh, what I'm going to be talking about is going to be focusing on the four core games of the franchise. So, which is Drake's Fortune, Amongst Thieves, Drake's Decep- Deception, and A Thieves' End. So to start off, during the events of Uncharted 3, we get some interesting insight in Nathan's past. 
Not always a professional treasure hunter, Nathan Drake, born Nathan Morgan in 1976, uh, and his older brother, Sam, were once part of a whole family. His mother, Cassandra, an archaeologist and historian, taught the brothers all about the legends of Sir Francis Drake. Following her death by suicide due to an unknown illness, the the boys were relinquished to St. Francis Boys' home, where Nathan was only five years old. During their time at the home, the boys learned many skills like to speak Latin, but also how to sneak and evade the home to explore the city at night. At the age of 13, Nathan was separated from his brothers uh, as Sam was kicked out of the orphanage for criminal activities. Nathan would later run away from the orphanage and meet up with his brother in the search for their mother's belongings. They were later given their mother's journals by her former employer and discussed their mother's theory of Sir Francis Drake having heirs. Fugitives from the police, the brothers decide to take up the name Drake and commence their life of exploration. At the age of 15 is when Nate would meet his now lifelong friend, mentor, and father figure, Victor Sullivan, uh, when they both tried to steal Sir Francis Drake's ring at the same time. Nate would eventually lose sight of his brother when he failed, when they both failed to uh, try to escape from prison. So Nate was able to escape while uh, Sam got shot and stayed behind. Nate believed his brother to be dead, where he would only learn 15 years later that he had still been in prison all along. This leads us uh, to the first game in the franchise. A lot of the other games and the motion comics uh, go into detail kind of of Nate's life prior to everything. Uh, Kind of for time's sake, we're going to focus on, uh, like I said, the four main games. The main first main adventure that we get to play is for the search of the city of El Dorado. Still on the trail for the truth behind his mother's theory, Nate and a journalist, Elena Fisher, find an empty coffin when they learn uh, where they learn about Sir Francis Drake's had faked his own death and accounts uh, about the fabled lost city of gold. While another group of treasure hunters are also looking for the fabled city, they eventually find a coffin inside the city, which uh, has a mummified body in it, which turned out to be a biological weapon. Nate would ultimately send this coffin deep into the ocean, saving countless lives. During the second game, Amongst Thieves, we see Nate and an old acquaintance, Chloe, searching for the fabled city of Shambhala. Unbeknownst to them, a man named Lazarevic was also searching for that fabled city, which held the Tree of Life. He also meets up with Elena again, while her and her cameramen are uh, trying to prove Lazarevic was still alive. When they learn of Lazarevic's plan, Nate goes to stop him, ultimately destroying Shambhala in the process. In between 
the second and third game, Nate and Elena eventually wed, but also separate prior to the third game. During the events of Drake's deception, Nate and Sully are following leads which lead them to look for the Atlantis of the Sands. During their quest, they meet with Catherine Marlowe, Sully's former employer, who is also looking for the Lost City. They eventually meet up with Elena in Yemen, where Nate is surprised to see her still wearing her wedding band. However, Nate was later drugged and captured by Marlowe, cutting the reunion rather short. Eventually, stopping Marlowe from taking possession of Solomon's vessel of brass and causing the city to crumble in the desert of sands, uh, following the events, Nate and Elena reconnect and begin a new normal life. So there seems to be a trend of wherever Nate goes, a lost city crumbles. Now working as a diver for a salvage company, Nate is offered a job in Malaysia, which strikes up a old latent obsession of treasure hunting. But he eventually refuses the offer. Sometime later, Nate is visited by his long-believed deceased brother, who talks him into looking for Henry Avery's uh, lost treasure. Thrusting Nate back into his former life and also lying to Elena in the process. Their quest, along with the aid of Sully, leads them to Libertalia, which is a pirate paradise. But again, they are contested with another group of treasure hunters. Nate eventually kills the leader of this group in order to save his brother from being killed. Following this, Nate officially retires as a treasure hunter, but Elena, knowing he could not give up that life, finds a plan to continue his dream of treasure hunting in a legal way, all while resurrecting her old TV show, forming what is known as DNF Fortune. The couple give birth to a daughter named Cassie, who eventually grows to share her parents' passion and wants to join the family's business. In a game uh, based in the adventure and explorer genre, many people could easily see Nate's dry and sarcastic humor, as well as his ever-growing body count, as a sign of severe psychological difficulties. However, Nate's use of humor is seen as a defense mechanism. This is something I've talked about uh, when we discussed Cade 6. Protecting himself from the trauma of the situation at hand, but also from his long, troubled past. While it's the opinion of many that um, Nate is a psychopath, I am, do not really share that opinion. We look at the characteristics, and we can certainly see traits and characteristics of antipersonal, the antisocial personality disorder. We see Nate having difficulties conforming to social norms, difficulty with being deceitful, impulsive, aggressive, reckless, 
irresponsible, and having a certain lack of remorse. But what distinguishes him is his extreme loyalty, effect, and care he presents towards his friends and family. The perceived distance or disinterest that towards Elena between Uncharted 2 and 3 are better explained as maladaptive coping strategies trying to protect himself and Elena from the truth of his dark path. He has shown time and time again throughout the franchise that he is willing to put his own life at risk for those closest to him. While it can easily be, uh, see that Nate could be a psychopath, he does not present the necessary traits that define a psychopath. But he does seem, like I mentioned, to be more of someone that embodies, embodies traits of anti-personal, anti-social personality disorder. And that uh, this is kind of born and bred within him through his life of hardship. And that is Nathan Drake and everything Uncharted. And we could just go on and on and on about everything in Uncharted because there's just so much. Oh, yeah. No, it's a fantastic. I'll have to send you, because I got the Uncharted collection. I'll have to send it to you, Bell, so you can play it. It's super fun. I play one, two, three glitch out on me on the PS3, which was like a known glitch where you couldn't uh, progress. So I kind of gave up on that one, and then I jumped back on on four. Oh, four was really yeah, good. It was, it, it was so, a technically impressive game. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Dr. Goki, thank you so much uh, for taking us through Nathan Drake. It's such a fantastic character. We had talked towards the end of 2018 about, like, in the future for our episodes in 2019, I'm also doing like these uh, self care tips. It's it's not. I would. It's just unplugging. You know, getting getting some of the. I know Doctor Goku has talked about it a lot. Like uh, a very well known therapy for people is just getting outside. And you know, a lot of gamers do like consume their time inside. So make sure you're unplugging. And you know, even if you you want to stay connected, grab your phone and go out on a walk. If you want, you can. Pull out Ishtar Commander and look at your weapon loadouts while you while, while you go on a hike or something like that. Uh, go play Pokemon. Go, yeah, go play Pokemon Go Battle Royale. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, so I mean, definitely get some out, outside time. You know, get some sun or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I know for me, I, I make a point to do it um, every Sunday with my kids as well. So I mean, it's uh, I highly recommend it for everyone. I would also recommend, you know, just just talking about your your struggles you're having and find someone who can help. Absolutely. You know, you know, in I, I'm sure uh, Roderick, but, but I'm sure at, over at Bungie that they, they do, um, you know, push for a, a positive health lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Yep. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I know you, you guys do a couple um a couple um, like like charity walks and runs every year. Yeah, we do a lot of um, charity stuff. That's one of the things that's awesome about Bungie is all the charity work that we do and all the employees that, that volunteer for that charity work. It's, it's amazing. We always try to give back to 
um, different communities. Um, one of the uh, charities that we actually have, which I think is amazing, is we're supplying iPads mm. to hospitals for oh, um, that's right, yeah, for for kids. So you know, you have a kid that that goes to one of these children's hospitals, whether they're doing chemo or whatever, and we supply these hospitals with iPads. So that way that child, when they, they come in, they have an iPad that they can use for the entire duration they're there, whether it's to watch movies or, or play games on the tablet. So we're, we're always trying to um, do a bunch of charity stuff like that. That's fantastic. I love that. I just want to point out that this whole podcast was full of some really cool people. Thank you guys for being cool. Sorry. You're I'm getting welcome. all emotional over here in my little corner, okay? <laughs> Bill's Evan feels again. I am. <laughs> well, awesome. But we don't have much for community news, uh, but Joe, what should people be t- paying attention to coming up in February? Coming up in February, we have our. Uh, Takethis.org stream to kick off the year for our awareness uh, charity streams. First one is going to be February 23rd. Later in the year, I right around mid-year, we're going to be doing uh, charity streams. We're going to be doing is going to be uh, benefiting Anxiety Gaming. Absolutely. So we're going to be doing a big, uh, big community-wide stream. Yeah, and actually, if you go on to. Our store site is the Anxiety Bear um, shirt still up? Yes, it is. Yep, always. And all the proceeds do <laughs> go to Anxiety Gaming, which is awesome. Thank you. Plus, it's uh, a really cute shirt designed by somebody kind of I don't know, cool ish. Yeah, Dave, thank you so much, dude. You did such a great job. <laughs> oh, no, it was Belle. Belle designed it. And it was awesome, Belle. One time Good I actually was shit. doing an okay job of talking myself up and you <laughs> and, and then you then you humble bragged. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you go on to your website, uh projectguardians.org, click on the links and store. And you, you'll see the different stuff for sale. And the one that has the Anxiety Bear t-shirt on there, all the proceeds do go straight to Anxiety Gaming. As with everything on our store, we retain zero of it. It all goes to different mental health organizations. Um, but that is going to kind of wrap us up this week. Uh, Roderick, Jason, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, Roderick, where, 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 can, um, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, at Roderick Wise. Um, that's my take. Yeah, and what's your awesome website? Uh, Wise3D.com. Um, that will forward people to my art station, so they can can view all the art that I got to create for the for Destiny Two. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. And um, Jason, where can people find you? And where can um, people find out more about Anxiety Gaming? And if they want to get involved with Anxiety Gaming, where where can they get all that information? So you can find me on Twitter at Jason Docton, just my full name, D-O-C-T-O-N. Um, and the best place to go is just anxietygaming.com. We have a lot of our information up there. Um, you'll see when you go to our website that we also have a newsletter to sign up for uh, because we will be rebranding in the next few weeks. So... Well, me and Joe know a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, so things will be a, a little bit different in the next few weeks, um, but it it's just going to be even more fun. 
Fantastic. Well, again, thank you so much. And we, we, we hope that you will want to come back soon, hopefully with less discord issues. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's such a pleasure. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, but that kind of wraps us up. Uh, thank you all for joining the project this week. You can reach us on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Just search um, uh, Project Guardians. You'll find us on there. Um, if you go onto our Twitter, which is P-R-O-J Guardians, um, pin on our Twitter is our Discord channel that has mental health resources, uh, mental health professionals in there if you want a, a guide to uh, getting help. There are self-help techniques and awesome community people there. Um, all this information is also on our website, uh, projectguardians.org. Listen to us anywhere you can listen to podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, all the places. Check us out. But thank you all for joining the project. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And remember, you are not alone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.